Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, we made it to a Friday in Jacksonville. And you know what Friday in Jacksonville means? What do we got? I'll give you one guess. Friday in Jacksonville. Oh, the Minshew Friday. song. The what? The Minshew song? There's a Minshew song? That's my guess. Well, that's the old Minshew song, which we don't play enough. We probably should play it again. I like the Minshew song. Oh. Um, Friday Night Blitz. Friday Night Blitz, that does mean Friday Night Blitz, but that's not what I'm thinking. Oh, I try to help you out. I, I appreciate that. Sorry. In fact, I'm glad you were thinking of the Friday Night Blitz. Yeah, it's always on my mind. That's How, really good. Uh, that's probably <laughs> what I should have thought of. on my mind. Yeah. Uh, no, it means it's time in Jacksonville to sign another kicker. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. The kicking carousel. John Brown, welcome on down. Come on, man. I'll let's tell go. you what, Scobie might want to think about this. That's what I'm saying, man. What's going on with the kickers? Curse, it, huh? It's it's an is Josh going to be okay? I mean, he. You know what's interesting about the Lambo thing is, it, Jags are pretty. I, I'm not. I'm not saying intentionally coy, but I think the whole league is somewhat coy about uh, injuries in general. And but it's the kicker, though. Well, you know? it is the kicker. But here's the thing: if a guy gets injured, right? And a guy's got a brace on on Monday. Well, we go to the locker room and we see that guy's got a brace on on Monday. So we get a feel for it. A guy's on a scooter. You get a feel for that. Guy's in a boot coming out of the locker room on Sunday. You see that. You get a feel for that. Sure. We don't have that this year. And so we don't know how severe some of these injuries are. Well, it's a hip injury for, for Lambeau to start the year. Okay. Hip injury goes on IR. It must be pretty significant, but the hip, that's whether it's your kicking hip or your <laughs> plant hip. You still have that's a that's an important part of a kicker. It makes sense, right? So sure. give him a break, sit down for three games, it's take an advantage important part of, of walking, Brent. Yeah, yeah. Take advantage of the the first three, you know, the, the new rule where you can sit for three games on the IR and all yeah. that stuff. Well, like a couple of weeks later, I think it was Marone in, in a press conference said, "Well, yeah, he got off his crutches like a, a couple of days ago." I was like, "Crutches? Yeah. I didn't know he was on crutches. Did yeah. I not pay attention?" Like it was that bad that he was on crutches? So I don't know what's up with Lambeau. I don't think we know what's up with Lambeau. We have no idea. The injury uh, thing in the NFL is usually a mystery. I believe it's more of a mystery now. Whether we could report it or not, we would at least have a feel for it. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think we have that. I have no idea what's going on with these other guys. How should they sign? He misses his first practice. Then he's, like, questionable, and he doesn't kick last week. So he's inactive the first week they sign him. Mm-hmm. They obviously have Rosas, mm-hmm. who comes out there, and he does an adequate job, I guess. He missed the 48-yarder, and then after that did okay. wasn't an eyesore, but... I don't know where he got banged up. Like, I'm not sure. I don't, he's, now he's going to the practice squad injured list, which, quite frankly, I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> didn't even know it was an injured list for practice squatters. Like, that's a thing, I guess. We're learning a lot. And now John Brown comes in. So I assume Hauschka's going to be the kicker this week because he practiced. Hmm. 
but John Brown's the backup plan because even as Doug Marone said, he's like, this is unprecedented. Yeah. I haven't seen five kickers in five well, weeks. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's good to have a reliever, right, to come off the bench just in case. You know, you want to go with the righty or the lefty. I will say this from a Jags perspective. You know, they really uh, – I guess it wasn't week one, was it? It was week two that, mm-hmm. that Lambeau went down. But – I thought special teams was going to be an advantage most of the year for the Jags. I like the way Logan Cook punted last year. I think they have some return guys. Uh, they usually are, Joe, Joe DeCamillis is one of the best in the league, usually year yeah. in, year out. And Lambeau has been one of the best kickers around. So I go into this year, and I'm like, listen, they've got a lot of problems. Uh, but I like their offense more than people like it. Their defense is going to be a struggle. But their special teams could make up for some of these things along the way in close games. Well, as soon as Lambeau went down, and they had the mess of the Tennessee game with the squib kick and everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I don't feel that way. And, of course, there's no reason to feel that way. The Jags special teams is not an edge. In fact, it might be another weakness of theirs, you know, uh, as we head into the second month of the season. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's especially for the Texans game coming up, we expect it to be a shootout, right? And even though it's going to be a shootout, this can come down to one possession kind of games. And then this could come down to a big kick here or a big kick there. So, you know what they always say? They say special teams is one-third of football. Right now, any starter on defense or offense will tell you, well, let's calm down just a little bit. Like, it's a big part of football. But is it truly one-third? Well, that one-third can make a difference between winning and losing with missed field goals, mixed extra points, etc. It's a Well, it's a big part of the game because I, I don't think it's one-third of the game, to be honest with you. I don't. Don't, I, don't, don't, don't ever tell Georgie Camillas, man. Well, listen, they, they, they've, done this a, show down. they've done a good job of rebuilding that special teams and making it an emphasis. I have no problem being an emphasis because you don't want it to come up and bite you. Mm-hmm. Like, you... you you always say that about like even Alabama and college teams. Like you give all these scholarships away mm-hmm. and you can't get yourself a kicker, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the kicker over the years that have hurt programs like even in Alabama or Auburn or whoever. And, and now I feel like a lot of them have very good kickers. I mean, look down the road in Florida. They've done a great job with their punting and kicking situation the last handful of years, even when they weren't very good. Uh, and now that they're set up well, they, they have trust in that. George, obviously, with Blankenship and what he was able to do for them. So I think they've even altered that. But it used to be like, yeah, we'll just go get a guy. Mm-hmm. No, it's an important part of it because when you need it and it doesn't work, it looks awful. And you're like, why didn't we go get a guy that we could trust? And so I think the NFL, the way it's built, every game is supposed to be like last night, 20 to 19, where you come down and have a chance to kick a field goal. So you have to have that part of the game be trustworthy. Uh, it's a big part of it in a close league, in, in a league that's supposed to be built on parity. Uh, and right now I just think it's another one of the uh, deficiencies of the Jacksonville Jaguars until somebody proves it themselves. But i got to believe Doug Marone's going into this game and saying, I don't know what I'm going to get out of Hauschka, right? Yeah. I don't know if he's even going to make it through a game. I mean, it becomes a little bit of in the back of your mind something you – worry about if you're the head coach well and at the end of the day too you know when you have a defense who's kind of a liability at this point right and obviously the defense that's give you an advantage you need every little nick and cranny of an advantage you can get and that can come from your field goal kicker you know that, that could come from maybe like an onside kick surprise something like that and uh with that being said josh lambo being out right now well obviously you don't get that distinct advantage so it kind of puts you behind the eight ball even more right now in terms of running winning games especially with the team that's so desperate like the jacksonville jaguars i would say too like, listen this is going to be a little more far-fetched but follow me anyway you know you could go three years without a fake field goal as a team i mean heck i don't remember the last fake a field fake goal field goal yeah i can't remember fake field goal i don't even remember when like, was the onside kicks were last year though we had onside a couple onside kick, kicks, but yeah. now onside kicks are becoming 
extinct because it's so hard mm-hmm. unless it's Atlanta who doesn't know how to pick it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you have to do it, you know, unless you have to do it uh, like the Jags did last week. Did the Jags have to do it last week? Yeah, they did last week, right? Yeah. Uh, and but my point being, even if you work with this one group, right, with your kicker and everybody and your holder and everything else on even that tool, like if I'm Houston, I'm like, well, they definitely aren't. We can throw that out. They're not fake field goal. Mm-hmm. They're not. We don't even have to worry about that because mm-hmm. they got a new guy in. They haven't even worked on that. We're not even have to worry about it, mm-hmm. right? So it just becomes one other thing you don't even have to game plan for if you're the opponent. Uh, and I know that's a little far fetched because, like I said, I don't even remember the last fake field goal in Jacksonville. It's been a long time. Yeah. Somebody re- remind me because I'd love to remember. Blank. Like I feel like it might have been against like the Jets or something like that uh, a few years back. But I, I think I'm guessing. I, I don't remember. And I, by the way, I think it might have been a botched one. Like, I don't remember the last successful fake field goal in Jacksonville. Does somebody else remember? Let me know uh, if you do, because I don't. Uh, fake punt now. We've seen him do that. Yeah. We've seen Doug Marone do that, boy, I want to say three, four times uh, over the last uh, few years. So we got a big weekend in the NFL coming up, obviously. Uh, it's a great weekend in sports. I mean, these last couple of weeks, you know what tipped it off for me? What's up? You know what kind of like... Yeah, the NFL came back and you got used to that. And I always said, if you could play one o'clock games on Sunday and people are used to that, that feels a little bit more normal. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that I believe that really happened is kind of the SEC coming back in the full slate, what felt like a full slate of football. It's not necessarily because of Big 12 and uh, Pac-12. They're still not back yet. That'll happen later. But I feel like this week we've got a ton of good games in college football. Yeah. It feels like we have our high school football Friday. Our Saturday college football, our Sunday, and heck, now we're getting bonus time. Monday and double headers in the NFL and Tuesday well, games. Yeah, the, the, the whole Tuesday. But you're, you're getting canceled on Thursday game, though. Hey, no, nah, I know. So well, thanks well, for going to cancel for, next week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so you're canceling Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel about it. Maxson right. comes to the NFL. Why are we Maxson comes to the NFL? <laughs> right now, the Matt Collins is turning over. They should make Ben Roethlisberger play. Now we're talking, man. <laughs> some of the, the best Matt quarterbacks featured. I like that. No, I mean, it's. um. Listen, the, you know, the, the the Big Ten is right around the corner. That's exciting, and I get what you're saying, man. This is kind of like, to me, it's kind of like we're in the heart and out of the college football season, even though we're really not. We're a couple weeks in. We're still in the infancy, but it's like with these big games now, it's almost like, oh, this is like rivalry week coming up a little bit. A lot of interesting matchups, so I can appreciate it. And listen, I, I'm all for a football game on Tuesday. You know, something for me to do on Tuesdays because there's no wrestling on, so uh, I'm for Tuesday. Usually Tuesdays are my call of duty night, so it's all good there. But once again, I uh, and you know how I feel about the Tennessee Titans here, Brent. The fact right now that the NFL is catering so much to the Tennessee Titans, it just it drives me crazy. And now it's not because I'm wearing Jaguars, you know, rose-colored glasses here. It's just because of listen, you guys obviously didn't do something right, and now you're getting rewarded basically, and you're punishing the other teams around you for having that game on a Tuesday. They could have punished the teams more. I'll explain that a little bit later on. I got a couple more interesting yeah. notes about what happened, you know, like maybe why they're not going to the forfeiture. Just is that yet. the historic punishment coming down? By the way, was no. this, is that the rumor? Like, oh, historic punishment. You're playing on a Tuesday. No, I think it was Pro Football Talk that maybe did it again today that put it out that there was someone higher up. Now they might just be trying to appease their headline from a couple of days ago sure. and follow up and say, well, one person. Person said this, yeah. but they said it could be the GM and head coach Robinson and Vrabel uh, suspended for the rest of the year. Which, by the way, Steve Lehman said, "Don't be surprised if there's an in-season suspension." Yeah, he said that. You know, and we were guessing, but mm-hmm. he said, "Don't be surprised." And I think they levied like maybe a ten million dollar fine in terms of the scenario that one person presented the NFL could do. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, see, I think the fine is whatever. You know, these guys, the money. To me, the money doesn't impact. The draft picks could impact. 
Mm-hmm. That's an important thing. That's something that trickles down all the way through into the offseason and impacts you for a while to come. But it's been done before, though. You it know, has like, with New England, yeah. Correct, yeah. Like, like, but an in-season suspension of these two guys has not been done That's before. not been done before. So, so that could be unprecedented. The, unprecedented, yeah. I want to get into that a little bit more because there's, there's some tentacles to this whole forfeit idea that I'm not sure we have considered and even know the right answers or, or wrong. It almost might take the NFL and the NFLPA mm-hmm. um, and maybe some legalities to straighten it out, but I think it is interesting uh, nonetheless. You know, the other part of all sports being back, Major League Baseball, we've got uh, obviously a huge game tonight with the Rays and the Yankees, a deciding game. Uh, you know, listen, if the Yankees win, the MLB probably gets what it wants. Yankees in Houston, uh, which will be headline galore, uh, and you got the Dodgers in Atlanta. Atlanta now, mm-hmm. if the Rays win, it's a huge headline because the Yankees don't make it. And and when you're spending $240 million, whatever they're spending, and you don't make it, it's a big story. When you're the New York Yankees and don't make it, it's a big story. And so, uh, obviously, that's what I'm rooting for, but uh, <laughs> that becomes a headline tonight. What is smushed down in the headlines is the legacy of LeBron James. And we'll talk about it later in the show, but it is not on the headline list. It doesn't feel like it. The ratings are weighed down. And uh, the ratings are way down for a lot of different sports. But I think what's unique, like the NHL playoffs, they were way down. U.S. Open golf, they were way down. I I understand there's this, uh, the movement, has it impacted the NBA? And people are discussing that. Depends what side of the aisle you're on and how you want to spin the numbers. I do think there is something that we are accustomed to or not. We don't usually see the NBA finals in October. Mm -hmm. We're not used to that. Like, we're going to do high school football tonight. I'm not watching LeBron James maybe win a fourth NBA championship. Hmm. Like, it's not on my radar. It's not in my blood. It's not in my mental clock. Hmm. And I think we operate that way. Uh, you know, unless you're just sitting there look, flipping around, I think we don't op- We don't think of that. We don't think of the NHL playoffs. We didn't think of the U.S. Open. We're not going to really think of the Masters. Watch, the Masters will be down in November. It's unique, but we're not going to... We're not going to think, oh, shoot, i got to check out the Masters in November. I think we're built that way. And so there's an element of it. The other thing I think about the, the numbers with LeBron and the Lakers is once the Clippers went out, the storyline disappeared mm. of the NBA season. Mm. Everybody was waiting for the Clippers and Lakers to meet in the NBA Finals. And once the Clippers went out, and even if you want to say the Bucks way back then, but mm. once the Clippers went out, really the – the idea that the Lakers were not going to win went out the door with it. It was pretty much foregone conclusion. I mean, unless you really crafted something and saw something unusual that the Nuggets or the Heat are going to upset the Lakers. And so I think they lost the storyline and some of the drama, even though it's LeBron playing and the Lakers playing. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the NBA Finals has to do with the opponents in it, right? And last year we saw the Raptors, um, and, we, and we saw, you know, obviously a a very injured Golden State Warriors team. I'm not sure how the ratings were last year, but um, I would probably say that they were down last year just because of what what happened in those finals. Now, with this year, I get what you're saying where the Clippers and the Lakers, that was supposed to be like the big marquee in the Western Conference Finals. But at the end of the day, to me, it's still the story of Kobe Bryant, right? Like tonight, they're going to rock those Black Mamba jerseys for Kobe Bryant. They're going to try to finish out this series tonight. And I think we're talking about one of the most prolific scorers of all time, one of the, the, the biggest names 
games in NBA history, like that draws something to it. That, that that'll get eyes to it. Now, like I said before, you also need an opponent though. And I think the Miami Heat right now on a you know, on a global scale, they're not a really recognized brand ever since LeBron really left, right? Like, not everybody knows who Tyler Hero is. Not everybody knows who Bam is. Or even Jimmy Butler is kind of like this blue-collar type of guy. I don't think he I mean, he's definitely a star, don't get me wrong. But, like, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, he's not like that perennial, you know, household name, let's just say. So I think the Heat have a lot of things going against them in terms of marketability as well. I think if it would have been the Lakers-Celtics, maybe would have got a little more. And that's not saying a Celtics team that has a lot of household names either. I mean, you got Tatum, you know, you got Marcus Smart, but are they really big names? I don't know. My whole point, though, is I think with Kobe Bryant and his, you know, the whole thing that transpired, I think it was in February when that took place, that's still going to be the storyline. That's that's going to be the biggest story. It's been the, it was the biggest storyline when it happened. It's been the biggest storyline in NBA so far, and it's going to continue to be the biggest storyline until the Lakers get this thing done. Yeah, uh, and, and by the way, I do think that's right. For you who watches a lot of NBA and Kuz who does a driving dish podcast, when you lo- talk about numbers and ratings and everything else, we're talking mm-hmm. about people who don't usually or mm-hmm. the casual viewer. And right now I think Le- even LeBron James is kind of lost in the shuffle of a fall football season mm-hmm. and where people's clocks are off a little bit and the formality of it. I mean, it's just we know the Lakers are going to win. We knew they were going to be Denver. And if we're being honest with ourselves, we knew they were going to win this series rather handily. They're going to win like they're being asked questions in press conferences like they already won. Sure. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a foregone conclusion. There's not we know how this book ends. That's that's a yeah. tough watch. I also, I also think in a way specifically for NBA, I can't remember if it was today, yesterday or at some point during this week. We essentially hit a full year of this season for the NBA. Oh, wow. So, like, yeah, long. It's been long. Yeah, and sometimes tough to follow. And, and even, you know, I agree with you on the Kobe Bryant front. front. I think it's a big part of the story. But even that seemed like a long time ago. Seems like forever ago here sure. in 2020, right? That we yeah. were in Miami when that happened at the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. I mean, that feels like five years ago, yep. uh, even to me. So, uh, it's interesting. That being said... Another legacy-building opportunity tonight uh, for LeBron James. Talk a little NBA, talk a little MLB down the road. But when we come back, the Jags in Houston. And I'm not sure we've talked about this enough, this angle enough. In fact, I don't even think we've mentioned it this week. I think of the 17 games now that Gardner Minshew will have started, he might carry the biggest chip on his shoulder into a start this weekend against the Houston Texans, than any other one. I'll tell you why when we come back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. And I'm going to regurgitate it to you. I'm like a mother bird right now, and I'm spewing it in your mouth. Brent Martineau. you got doves flying and mother birds I'm, all week. I'm, I mean, I'm trying to baby bird you right now, man. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this is why I tease stuff and don't get to it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Ryan Clark, which one of those do you like? Minshew, Bridgewater, Herbert, or or Jones? I, I go Teddy Bridgewater. Did he mean Daniel Jones? <laughs> no one's picking Daniel Jones on anything, bro. Not even me. Not even Oh, really? You gave up on him? I'm giving up on him, but if you per, give me those four quarterbacks, yeah, yeah. I'm not picking him. Who'd you take? You had to go Herbert right now, right? No, I would go Gardner. Okay. Wouldn't you? The I mean, numbers he's putting up? Ha- like having the this best is a year right now? question, right? 
as a fantasy. So it was. So yeah. So set it up for you guys. Greeny has a quarterback that's on a bye this week, so he has to pick up a quarterback. He oh. said he was going to go okay. with Jones. And then asked Ryan Clark, and Ryan Clark said Bridgewater. He said he was going to go with Daniel Jones. Oh, no, the, yeah. I think so, I'm yeah. I'm Daniel Jones, too. They're Against playing the Cowboys. the Cowboys. Hey, we're talking about Baker Mayfield being how good this year. All of a sudden he plays the Dallas Cowboys and Baker Mayfield's back. Now all of a sudden those commercials that we see on TV are like, ah, they're pretty funny again. Yeah, Baker Mayfield's the I man. Looked. You would seriously take Daniel Jones again because he's playing the Cowboys? I, I would play Daniel Jones, yes. Okay, not pick him up. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not the GM of a rebuilding a team. I'm saying if you, if you're in dire need right now, welcome to the Austin Lane Fantasy Corner, real quick, everybody. <laughs> um, hey, listen, you know, COVID nineteen things like that. Quarterbacks are at a high commodity right now, and people could be sitting out. With that being said, if you're in the need for a quarterback right now, it's probably going to come down to a couple people: Gardner Minshew, Justin Herbert, Daniel Jones, Teddy Bridgewater. And I'll tell you what, it's hard to trust, trust Daniel Jones right now, right? Because he hasn't given you a reason to trust him. But I think this. Man Matchup against the Cowboys. It's the prime matchup to get back on track. Keep in mind, Dallas Cowboys, a very high-scoring team. If New York wants to stay in it, and trust me, they do. They're still right in contention for a division. they got to score points as well. This will be the Daniel Jones breakout game. Take him in fantasy. Well, you know, Daniel Jones and the Giants played the Rams last week. That was a high-scoring team, too. How did that work out? Oh, I'm sorry. Aaron Donald, not bad. Jalen Ramsey, pretty good. How's that Cowboys defense treating everybody? I know they're bad, but the Giants are so bad on offense is Brent, my point. You can't Brent, take him. Brent, what did I just say about Baker Mayfield? That this was a guy we're ready to write off a little bit. He plays the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, mind you. And all of a sudden, Odell Beckham Jr., back. Jarvis Landry, back. Kareem Hunt, what up? Baker Mayfield, you bet. Like, they're back. The Cleveland Browns are back. So who's coming back for the Giants? Ingram? Evan Ingram? Golden Slayton? Tate, Slayton? Let's go. No. So okay, who are you taking? Let's go. Let's get your. Well, I already told you. Like out of Bridgewater, Bridgewater, Carolina, they're playing. Um, it's good that you did your fantasy Falcons. research. There you go. Playing the Falcons. There you go. It's actually that's not a bad play because of that. Mm, yeah. Not bad. They give it up thirty again. Yeah. Not bad. I think if you in the Dallas category. Well, listen. Don't don't bring up New York's wide receivers and then try to counter that with Carolina's wide receivers. Oh, fair point. There you go. Uh, that I'm would, just saying who be... they're playing. That would be the argument for Gardner, right? Well, and uh, who's the other one? Oh, Herbert. Herbert. Now, see, Herbert's, still, Herbert's doing a really nice job. Doing a fantastic but job. But still, but they're very, um, from a fantasy standpoint, I would be a little hesitant just because, first of all, the Saints are very good. And we saw what they mm, Yeah, but the Saints can be very good. Especially at home, too. They're at home. Yes. Saints are at home. And we saw what they did to young quarterback Gardner Minshew here. He had a, maybe his worst game of the season last year. Yeah. So I'd be hesitant. But my point in the Herbert thing is I feel like they're managing him well, right? They're not like saying, hey, go throw it 40 times. Hmm. They're basically saying, hey, throw it 20, 24, 25 times. Let's mix. Let's be mm-hmm. high percentage a little bit. I know we got in the shootout and had some long plays last week. Sure. I get it. Yeah. But, but keep in mind, though, they're out Austin Eckler now as well. Yeah. So that, that, that's a big part of the running game. True. So you're going to have to throw it a little bit more. Correct. I just don't like her. I, I haven't seen enough of Herbert to know. And then okay. you got Gardner Minshew, by the way. Minshew, who probably has the best offense of weapons out of these other three guys. I'll give I'll, I'll give that to you. Yeah, Definitely, absolutely. right? Well, yeah, I mean, I like the Chargers. I like Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. I really do. Yeah. Hunter Henry. Hunter Is he Henry. Still healthy? Yeah, he's, he's healthy. But now, so surprisingly, not kind of for him. You put it up against that. And then they're going against a team that's given up 31 a game. See, sure. everybody gets lost in the Houston. Oh, J.J. Watt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like Houston, Houston on like paper. Yeah, they're the they're 
they're dangerous in 2017. Yeah. No, I hear <laughs> right? you. Offensively yeah. and J.J. Watt. Sure, and sure. And so I just feel like they're giving up 30 a game. So all these fit uh, because they could be shootouts. That's why the question got brought up on, on Greenberg's show. I just think slam dunk, I would take Mitchell. Oh, He's done oh, more. Care, careful now with the slam dunk because, because remember, like people are listening to us for fantasy advice. And I'm putting my name on this, too. I'm not saying it's a slam dunk, Gardner Minshew. I'm saying, hey. Check out Daniel Jones. And I'm also saying check out Justin Herbert because you'll talk about, oh, the Texans, J.J. Watt. Let's talk about the Saints. Oh, Lattimore. Oh, Cam Jordan. Guess what? Derek Carr had three touchdowns against the Saints, in case you didn't remember. Aaron Rodgers picked them apart at New Orleans. Matthew Stafford, not a bad day against the, the Saints as well. So the Saints right now are giving up buku points. And I think that if you're in the, in the stretch, you need a quarterback, go with Daniel Jones, Justin Herbert, or Gardner Minshew. To make Brent happy. All right, speaking of Gardner Minshew, okay? Uh, by the way, I can't wait to see how this all plays out for next week. Do you want to make a bet about it? Do you want to make a bet? Who are you taking? Sure. You taking Gardner Minshew? I'm taking Gardner Minshew. Go ahead and give me Daniel Jones then. Okay, and, and I'll now see you I'm going to tell you why Gardner Minshew should have the biggest chip on his shoulder yet. Okay? Nice segue. I like uh, this. Of, of the seven, he started 16 other games. But he should have the biggest chip yet, motivation and focus and want to in this game. And I'm sure he's got plenty of that every single week. But I think he should have more this week. Because if you go back to his other 16 starts, other than the Saints game, you can make the case that he hasn't, he's played no worse football than he has against Houston. Correct. The, in that game in the UK. The, the game about. in London. Yeah. And, and listen, if you're being honest with yourself, even his first career start, which give him a little leeway there, was sure. his first career start in Houston in game two of last year. While he rallied them back at the end, he wasn't very good up until that point. I remember that game very well. I took out me banned off Sirius XM radio for NFL <laughs> because they had me on doing the pregame prediction. I told you the story. They had me on doing the pregame prediction of the Texans and Jaguars. And I said, guarantee it, Jaguars come out one by at least 10 because Houston's not used to traveling to London. The Jaguars practically live there gonna see a big day from Gardner Minshew Jaguars win by a landslide uh-huh. hey haven't got a call back let's just say from that show <laughs> haven't got a call back yeah Anyways. that's awesome yeah uh maybe they're not doing it oh no the show's still on no, you're just not doing oh, it. oh yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> we keep your key card works here don't yeah. worry uh, so anyway here's why the look at look at uh, these games against Houston Last year, he was his first start. Again, 23 of 33, which wasn't terrible, right? 69%, but he's thrown it 213 yards. And I think you have to remind yourself, he did a lot of that damage late because he brought him back and almost scored twice in, yeah. in the last, like, five minutes of that game. Remember, they missed a two-point conversion. He actually ran the ball around that day. That was the game that he kind of created. So has a, an excellent play late in that game because he created some time along the right sideline and then threw uh, the touchdown, as I remember it. Might have been to Chark, might have been to Cole, I can't remember. But he threw, ran for 56 yards that day. Uh, he sacked four times. He fumbled three times in that game mm-hmm. against Houston. So then I take you to the London game. And the London game, which I think statistically outside of New Orleans is his worst game. Uh, he is 27 of 47. He throws for 309 yards, but we know this was a lot of garbage yardage in the second half against uh, in that London game against Houston. Two interceptions, uh, three sacks, two fumbles. Mm-hmm. Turned it over four times. Okay. Okay. And that was a critical game of the season for the Jags, but also for him as a starting quarterback at the moment. Mm-hmm. I believe, based on those two games, I'm, there's two ways to go here. He either just didn't play well in those games or 
we're going to start to get a trend and a little bit of a storyline if he doesn't play well against Houston that he can't play well against Houston. And mm-hmm. that's problematic. You don't want that trend. Because, like, Bortles didn't play well against Houston. Now, listen, the Jags overall haven't played a good against Houston and Tennessee in the division for a long time. But Bortles had a tough time against Houston. Then I think it was the one game here in 17 where he – he aired it out, and they, they looked really good. Remember that three-week stretch? Sure. I think Houston was one of those games. But Houston had a miserable season that year. I just think you've got to be a little careful to stink it up against a division opponent three times in a row. And, yeah. and the circumstances are all different. He was getting his first start, the London game, first time he's going over there. There's a lot on that game, a lot of pressure because sure. of the subline of Foles coming back. But now there's not that. This is a team that's given up 30 a game. You need to play a good football game, and you need to win a good a football game. And I think there's one other element of this. It's not – one of it is, hey, you got to play better against Houston. It's a division opponent. I mean, you can't, can't go three games in a row and look like that. Mm-hmm. Not when you've looked good in a lot of other spots. And the other thing is, if he wants to be the franchise guy, and I've clearly already said he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. We're trying to find out if he's a franchise guy. And if you are, you better beat some of the elite quarterbacks in the game. Yeah. And you got to win some of those matchups because you can't be put in that category if you can't beat him. And I understand he's not the only guy on the field, but you want to be able to win some of these head-to-head matchups. And Deshaun Watson is the elite quarterback in the AFC South. Mm-hmm. And, well, they're not very good. Yeah. They're 0-4. He's not playing great. It's a great moment for Gardner Minshew to go get a win on the road and maybe even outduel and outperform Deshaun Watson because I think this is going to be a shootout on Sunday. So check this out, though. This is where I disagree with you. I don't think it's going to be a shootout like everyone says it's going to be. And here's why. I think Gardner Minshew will have one of his best games of the season on Sunday. Okay? I truly think that. But the reason why I think he's going to have a great game is the same reason that I don't take him in fantasy right now over Justin Herbert or Daniel Jones. And that's the ability to run the ball against the Houston Texans. Do you know where the Houston Texans rank right right now in terms of rush defense? Hopefully not right next to Cincinnati because I saw how that went last week. Dead last, Brent. So Cincinnati, they're like whatever, 25th, 24th, 26th, whatever. Houston, dead last by a long shot. Houston surrenders 181 yards rushing per game. All right, You think the Jacksonville Jaguars are bad? The Jaguars only surrender 138 yards per game. Houston Texans, 181 yards. So I get what you're trying to say. It's going to be a track meet. They're going to go toe for toe. And, hey, may the best offense win. I think you beat the Houston Texans, especially if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, by running the ball with James Robinson, slowing that clock down a little bit and limiting the possessions of Deshaun Watson and trying to get him going. I think if you run the ball with James Robinson, maybe he gets a couple touchdowns here or there. But I think that's going to be the key to success, not necessarily Garner Minshew throwing it 40, 50 times Per game. I think it's a great explanation. Actually, one of our uh, stories we're working on this week is I think they do have to have long, sustained drives mm-hmm. to give that defense a break and not peep it on the field. Because right now, the defense on the field is demoralizing to everybody. Everybody watching the game on their couch, everybody in the stadium, it's demoralizing. I mean, it just is. And so the more you can keep them, you know, I, I agree with you. I think long, sustained drives, running the football, third down completions, they got to get back to being good on third down. Mm-hmm. First two games, very good. Last two games, I think five for 20. First two games, they led the NFL in third down conversion percentage, I think at 62.5%. So they have to get back to those sustained drives, keep Deshaun Watson off the field, limit the opportunities, limit the vulnerability of your defense. Exactly. So I get it, but that still doesn't mean you can't outduel a guy. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. going to get a certain amount of possessions. No, I hear you, man. But what are we talking about this whole week, though? It's like we got to stop Deshaun Watson. you got to stop Deshaun Watson. And you even said it yourself. 
try to expect a game plan where they're not going to rush maybe three or you know maybe sometimes four guys, but three guys, and just try to contain him, right? Make him work yeah, for yeah. everything, a la Patrick Mahomes, right? We saw the Patriots in the first half uh, of against the Patriots and the Chiefs. They ran the ball. They kept Patrick Mahomes off, off the field. And when he got on the field, he just wasn't comfortable. Yeah. To me, that's how you beat um, the Sean Watson. I'm not calling the, the Houston Texans the Kansas City Chiefs by any means. But I'm just saying I think when you go against an offense that has just a little more firepower than you do and maybe just a little more of a proven quarterback than you do, it's all about keeping that offense off the field. And you do that with James Robinson. Uh, let's be honest. Anybody playing this defense right now is the Kansas City Chiefs. Should be. I mean, yeah. So it's yeah. a good point. It's a good argument. I just do think I would think there's more motivation here. Uh, back to my original point mm-hmm. for Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. I think this is an important game for him. The, I just don't want to see a guy starting to trend that he can't beat Houston or doesn't play well against Houston. I don't want this to be on Gardner Minshew. If they lose, they gave up 40. Well, their defense stinks. We knew it anyway in the first month of the year. Uh, I I think I need the Jags to look good on offense. I need Gardner Minshew to look good. And whether that is 20 of 25 or it's 32 of 45, mm-hmm. whatever it is, uh, whatever style you want to go after, I think I need a good game out of Gardner Minshew. No, for sure. And four turnovers, the London game. Three fumbles the first time, and that ain't going to cut it. He's got to yeah. hold on to the ball on Sunday. And I'm just saying, though, if you do pound the rock with James Robinson a little bit, that opens up a lot of things with Jay Gruden True. offense and Gardner Minshew. Yeah, and LaVisca and get everybody Correct. involved, all that stuff. Uh, more about this game as we break it down and get you ready for it. Injuries are a concern. Will Josh Allen even play? Uh, Miles Jack questionable, but it looks like he'll be there. Jags have some injury concerns. How will this game play out? We'll get into that a little bit later on. Plus some college football talk, our picks as well. And a big day for the Jacksonville Iceman today. We'll talk about that for a couple minutes next on ESPN 6-9. Um, well, I feel like it starts in practice. Um, you just got to get that bond in practice and you just keep working on it, working on it. Um, at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, just the timing and can we complete a pass and that's really all it's about. I mean, it's going well. Um, we're getting better with each other, with each other every day. All right. That's LaVisca Chenault. Did you know that? I could put it together. Uh, he's getting better and better every week. Chenault? Yeah. Like, I don't feel like the last two weeks the game has allowed them to use them like I want the bingo card to get filled up. Correct. Uh, as much. Yeah. But they're still getting them the football, and that's important. Yep. Uh, and uh, the numbers showcase that they should continue to get them the football. I mean, he owned that last drive, really, the first half. Outside of that, I don't really remember much. Mm-hmm. But he owned that last drive and got him in position at least for a field goal, field goal and almost a touchdown. I still think if that ball isn't tipped, he might score. Yeah. It threw, throws off the time. I mean, he was a yard short. Mm-hmm. And it might have thrown off the timing just by that much. So. Uh, that was a pretty well-designed play uh, at the end of the day and a, a well-designed drive, and Lewis Cushenault, a big part of it. What do you like seeing him do the most? Mm, that's a good idea. You know what? I'm a, I'm a sucker for the jet sweep, man, because it takes timing. Um, you know, it takes that motion, and it takes practice, right? Like, there's a reason why we haven't seen a lot of screen passes here the past decade in Jacksonville, because it takes time, it takes practice, and for whatever reason, they want to go through that. Well, the same thing with a jet sweep, and when we saw I think, was that against Miami? Or was that Tennessee? I think it was Tennessee. Tennessee. We saw it against Tennessee. I was like, ah, that's something different. That's something new. Like, to me, like, the jet sweep is kind of like the in thing right now. So go ahead and give me the jet sweep for 100 there, Brent. <laughs> Sorry, uh, for 500. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I... You know, I actually would say 
a screen of some kind, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's your traditional screen. See, I, I love the creativity, man. I, I love watching where they line him up and what he does before the snap. You know, I, I was one of the touchdown plays where if you go back to, I think, Indianapolis, the well-designed play to Charky ended up throwing to, but off like, uh, Chenault had come behind the line of scrimmage, then gone back, and then I always say it looked like he was going to the bench to get some Gatorade. Yeah, Because yeah. he, like, he went like out of the picture, basically. He's like, what is he doing? Like, my eyes were like, what is he doing? Yeah. And I can only imagine the defense's eyes had to at least go there for a second, mm-hmm. and then it ended up being a play flush to the right, and, and Gardner ends up finding uh, Chark, I think, is, is, the call, is the play I'm remembering. So I like that stuff. And so one of the things I'd love for them to do is either put him back there with James Robinson or put him back there looking like a running back, but then set up the screenplay. I mean, just your typical screenplay, because I know we were going to see more screenplays. Chris Thompson, Jay Gruden, I still don't think I've had my full complement of it yet. (laughs) No, we really haven't seen a lot of them. No. And we've seen more of them, yeah. but I don't feel Listen. like I'm sitting there saying, oh, yeah, it worked again, oh, yeah, or it didn't work. I, I don't feel like we're talking the screenplay enough still in Jacksonville. We had Chris Thompson on the show, what, maybe two or three months ago talking to us about screen passes. Oh, yeah, we got excited. And listen, man, like, yeah, the pump was primed for screen passes galore, <laughs> right? And I was excited for it, and now all of a sudden we're sitting here going into week five? What week are we then? Week five? And it's like, I, I mean, Chris, I mean, I, hey, man. Yeah, in the show, where you at? Let's yeah, go. Well, a little bit of that, I think, is James Robinson taking some of his reps because he's proven himself to be True. a three-down back, and you want him on the field. Yeah. And obviously, the best screen pass of the year was a screen pass where James Robinson hurdled the defender yes. and picks up a bunch of yards, and I think that was in the opener against Indy. Mm-hmm. So, again, I will say I, I believe this to be true, and maybe it's just me thinking this way. But the way the game unraveled on Thursday night against Miami, and to a degree the way the game unraveled here against Cincinnati – it it didn't allow them to give their full game plan. Mm. You know, yeah. it does. You have to be in certain situations to do some things, to be creative. You have to be within shouting distance on the scoreboard. You know, the down and distance yeah. stuff. Yeah. You're going to run less of that stuff the further you get behind, in my opinion. No, I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, too, like screen passes like that, or even like jet sweeps, like you know those kind of plays, like. Those can be game changers. Mm-hmm. Those can be like momentum swingers because they're they're very simple to run, right? And if you have an over aggressive defense, especially in that screen pass, who's coming to the quarterback, well, you throw a screen pass out there and it turns into a gain of twenty. Well, now you just change the entire game, right? Yeah. So I, I get what you're saying here, but at the same time, if you're trying to get that spark, because obviously the Jaguars need a little bit of spark, it seemed like in the second half in Cincinnati, why not do the screen pass? Well, I think you're right, and by the way, I, I think you're exactly right about that. The screen, that's why they should use the screen more because mm-hmm. down distance time of game score might not matter in that mm-hmm. with that play i think the jet sweeps and the different motion plays in the way you know are you going when you're down by 11 points are you going to run the wildcat are you yeah. going to hand off to lavisca chanel and, and get too cute maybe mm-hmm. you know i think those are the things that that bingo card doesn't fill up man mm-hmm. when you're when you're down a couple of possessions, but that's why I want to see a little bit more of the screen because it can be first quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter. It can be late. It's usually an effective play, and I think the Jags have the goods to run that play better than they've had in in recent memory. And we have joked about it. I mean, the screen play has been extinct in Jacksonville for a long, long time. So Robinson pr- has proven he can do it, mm. uh, and I think Chanel is a great person to be able to do it. Thompson can do it. They've got three different looks that they can run this with. I do give the Jags credit for this and Jay Gruden and the receivers and Keenan McCardell. You know, 
for a long time they tried that bubble screen. I think it was with Nathaniel Hackett. And it was yeah, ugly, man. Yeah. It was gross. Yeah. Right? I mean, it actually reminds loss me of, of four, loss of five per well, pop. What play? Go ahead. Let's see if we are on the same page. The bubble screen, which play uh, sticks out to you that the bubble screen didn't work? I mean, there's a couple of them. Um, was there one to D.D. Westbrook back in the day or not? Probably. Um, yeah. That's not the one, there's I'm one I'm thinking of. I'd... Green Bay, fourth down, 2016. They tried one here. Oh, okay, yeah, at yeah. At the yeah. end of that game, yeah, they yeah. tried the bubble screen. Yeah. And they couldn't block it. Sure. Couldn't pick up two yards. Yeah. And he was like two yards on the first down. They threw it behind the line of scrimmage. I think it was Alan Hearns, maybe they okay. threw it to. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing? Yeah. But I, I, my my point of that is, I feel like they're running that play more effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good. It's good yeah. to see. Yeah. All right, hey, big awesome. news from the Jacksonville Iceman today, and Bob Arabo jumps in right before the top of the hour, so we only got a couple minutes. But, uh, Bob, uh, congratulations. we got a season ahead for the ECHL hey, December buddy. 11th, right? Yes, we are. December 11th uh, is when the ECHL is going to open their season, and we're in our first group of teams opening. So we'll get a schedule next week, but hopefully we'll be home on uh December 11th and or 12th. So, yes, it's very exciting. Bob, how how much is that schedule, that opening date released with confidence that, that things are going to be okay, that uh, the procedures, the protocols that you guys are now going to have to put in place um, can be done in time? I think it's I think it's a lot, very confident um, at this point. You know, again, anything can happen, but at this point, I think it's very confident. We've been working closely with the city of Jacksonville and, and ASM, who operate the arena, uh, you know, and the ECHL has been working closely with the NHL on protocols for the players and stuff. So I think we've got everything pretty much in line. Um, the idea is to open the season, to play a full season of 72 games and make sure everyone from our fans to our staff to our players are safe as much as possible, you know. Um, and if somebody... If one of our players does come down with this thing, uh, you know we've got we've got uh, procedures for that as well. So I never thought I, I never thought it was going to be like a doctor, you know. <laughs> Everybody is. We all feel like I would have right medical school. <laughs> Everybody is. Uh, from you, we talked to you I think months ago when the pandemic started and, and the season was so yeah. far off and they were just canceling the ECHL and everything else was postponed in sports or hit the pause button. But from a fan perspective, you guys are pretty confident about the fans, right? Because of the size of the arena and you usually shut down the top part of that curtain anyway. Um, yeah. Can you give us a sense of of your plan? Uh, with fans and, and at your games? Well, I'll tell you one thing is that we're, we're ahead of where we were last year at this time, and, and we were just about ready to start the season um, in season ticket sales and ticket plan sales. People want to get out. They want to, they wanna, you know, leave their house, leave their apartments, and come come do something fun. And do it in a safe environment where there's social distancing and uh, and any other uh, local mandates that uh, that you know Mayor Curry and the city order, we're going to make sure are enforced. But you know, um, I think they just want to get out at this point and have some fun. And you know, there's nothing more fun, Brent, than a than a, than a uh, Iceman game. I keep telling you that. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, you don't got to tell me. You, you guys know it. You don't got to tell me that. So, obviously, it's exciting. The schedule is coming out, Bob. And I know we're still a little ways away, but I got to ask you. So, the ECHL All-Star Game, I mean, is that still going to be a go in the city of Jacksonville? And for what you know right now, what is that going to look like still? Yeah, the All-Star Game was moved to next season um, and awarded to Jacksonville. So, we're going to do the All-Star Game. It's just going to be in. January of uh, 22. Um, 
So so we'll still host the All Star Weekend and everything, but we we wanted to get away from you know we we didn't want to do it this year because it's it, there's a lot of planning and excitement that go into an All Star uh, event. Absolutely. And and I didn't want to keep prefacing it by saying if we're able to, if we're able to, yeah. you know. So yeah. uh, there's lots of crowds. There's a fan fest. There's you know. And that just would have been irresponsible for us to even try to pull off for this year. So the league did uh, the league did um, award the game uh, to to us for for the following season, which which is really exciting. And hopefully, we're not talking about a virus uh, that far ahead. You know. So. Yeah, I think that was a smart move by you guys in the ECHL. So we're looking forward to 2022 in January and hosting the ECHL All Star Game. Bob Arabo, have a great weekend, man! Exciting news that the ECHL Thanks, season guys. is on the I horizon. Can't wait to see you. Too, the both of you. I'll <laughs> see you soon, man. We will see you there. Thanks, Bob. All right. Hey, check out JacksonvilleIceman.com for more information. JacksonvilleIceman.com for tickets and more information on uh, what the schedule will look like. What's interesting here, and not a surprise with this 72-game slate, is that they will go to winning percentage to determine. You know, usually it's points and yeah. in the hockey standings. Well, they'll go to winning percentage as a prime you know, uh, counter of the standings, yeah. if you will, to see who's winning in what place because you can't count on everybody playing the same amount of games. And I'm sorry, were there tryouts? Because I didn't get that letter in the mail for the, the Iceman tryouts. I was well, for Jason that. Christie, but I don't think there are tryouts yet, man. What are we? It's early October. I mean, you can't name your team yet. Okay, I'm just saying, man. Time. Hey, if you guys are looking for like a, like a Thomas Holmstrom, if you will, don't worry, that's a little pull. They call him the demolition, man. If you're looking for a Thomas Holmstrom, I could be your Thomas Holmstrom, Jacksonville Iceman. We're talking about college football. We have our picks coming up as well. More NFL on the way on ESPN 690. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.